Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Future Beat Show. And today's show is a very special edition. Why is it special, you ask? Because it's my birthday. And now, because it's my birthday, my good friend, Mr. Yazbeats. How you doing, bro? Uh, he wanted to uh, interview me. Now, I don't know if you guys are even interested. If you're not, skip an hour and I've got a special birthday mix for you guys. But if you do want to listen to uh, me talk about myself for the next hour, an hour, uh, an hour, right? An hour, yeah. Yeah, then uh, just uh, keep listening. But why wouldn't they want to know about you? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a boring guy. I'm not. I'm not anyone special, man. Not at all. You interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, so if I am rusty today, I do apologise. I've actually just come off my two week radio break. Um, so I've been chilling. I've been playing Destiny on the Xbox. If you do have Destiny on the Xbox One, make sure you add me Complexion LDN. I need some people for my fire team. Wow, and shameless plug. <laughs> I know. I know. But I like the game. Um, okay. So Yaz, you want to interview me? Let's uh, let's go, man. What's the first question? What do you want to know? Bro, I want to start right at the beginning. I want to know what it was that originally got you into the art of DJing because it is an art in itself it's not uh, auto sync it's not just turn up and play it's an art form so what originally got you into okay the so scene? I've told this story a few times and I love telling it because I think it's just so funny so what happened was in secondary school which is high school I think for our American and Australian friends I must have been about 15 years old and I had a crush on this girl. The thing with me was in school, I was a, a, a very, very nerdy kid. I was into my comic books. I used to do all my homework on time. I wasn't cool or anything. I was completely dweeby and geeky. Now, um, I didn't stand out. You know, I was just like a boffin, they called us. Um, and to get cool, I thought, what can I do? What can I do to get, to, you know, to get her attention? And I was sitting next to her in maths class once. And she mentioned that her cousin was a DJ. And she goes, oh, it's so cool to be a DJ. It's amazing. It must be so amazing. And I just turned around like, yeah, I'm a DJ. And then what happened was the next day, half of my year had found out that I was going around bragging that I was a DJ. So I, half of them thought I was cool. Half of them thought I was lying. Um, so I thought, right, I have to go through with this. You know, I, I, I'm potentially, I, I'm on the cusp of being cool. And if I don't go through with this, I'm, I'm going to be even further down the social chain, you know, of like being a dweeb. So I um, begged my mom to get me some turntables got some turntables the pro 150s now i know this might not mean anything to a bunch of people but um with the pro 150s once you press start it took like 15 seconds for it to speed up to the you know so i couldn't scratch on it couldn't do anything so i started doing that bought some records and then yeah this girl she actually ended up leaving my school and went to a different school and this is how geeky i was before she left I actually gave her a copy of Spectacular Spider-Man 200 as a gift to remember me. Um, and, the only reason, <laughs> and the only reason I said it was Spectacular Spider-Man 200 because I remember it had like a holographic cover. So it looked kind of cool. So I thought she might appreciate it. And then I let go of DJing for a little while because I was uh, at basketball loads. So it was basketball, studying or studying and DJing. I don't want to give up my studying. So I started playing basketball and then I picked up DJing again in my kind of early 20s, 1920, I think it was actually. Um, and then... I bumped into this girl on, well, I bumped into her, but I found her on Facebook. I wasn't stalking her. It came up as a person you might know kind of thing. So I added her. And this was like years later. I'm talking, this is like, what, nine years later. And I messaged her saying, hey, um, how are you doing? Da, 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 da. You know, she's all married with kids. She's all happy and stuff. So I said, look, this sounds really weird. I started DJing to impress you. And up until now, everything I've done in my life, even the fact that me and you are sitting and having this interview is because of her. So yep. I said to her, like, you know, it's an incredible thing what you, what you without you realising what you've done for me. You know, you've set me on this path and I've met some amazing people, been to some amazing places, done some amazing things. And it's all because of my stupid little crush on you. And she was like, oh, that sounds nice, cool. And that was it. <laughs> that was so harsh. <laughs> but the thing was, I guess at least I managed to tell her. Because that was my always thing. Because people would always say, what would you do if you ever met her or you spoke to her? And I was kind of like, well, I'll just tell her the story. So now that's kind of done now, but it's interesting because of her that I've done everything I've done. Even the Future Beat stuff is all down to this one girl, me having a stupid crush. Well, we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. 
One of the things you once told me was that you have a fascination with watching DMC Championship videos. Yes. And that's how you originally learned how to scratch. Yes. You didn't even know how to blend. No, yeah. So um, again, I don't want to go too technical for the non-music uh, people out there, but um, I didn't know you could actually mix for years. I didn't know there was a process of actually mixing records. I thought it was just some songs just happened to just go together. I didn't know it was an actual process of beat matching and then doing it. So my initial years of DJing, the first probably four or five or three or four years, I just used to scratch. I used to get booked for parties and scratch and drop records. So I do an entire set with no mixing. That's incredible. Just scratching and dropping. And it worked. It, it seemed to work back then. Um, so yeah, for people that don't know what DMC is, a disco mixing championships is when people kind of go on and do headstands and scratch and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, A-Track won three DMCs. Uh, championships and he was like the youngest guy and then DJ Craze obviously the incredible DJ Craze uh, won three in a row as well so um, yeah just shying some people out sorry another thing you've told me over the years is that Nas If I Rule The World is very important to you what's the significance of that record yeah okay so Nas If I Rule The World featuring the wonderful Lauren Hill produced by Trackmasters um, that's actually the first of a record I bought um, ever um, so that kind of showing how old I am. <laughs> um, and uh, I picked up from a place called HMV. And on the last day of school, most people used to get the diary signed or the shirt signed. I don't know if people do this around the world. Hopefully in the comments they can tell us. But um, in England, what we generally do is uh, we sign other people's shirts, like signatures, whatever, you know. I don't know why I'm telling you this, like you don't understand. <laughs> but um, so what I did was me trying to be cool. I actually got everyone to sign the record. Um, as my first record and um, people had signed it um, and with the inside sleeve I actually got my teachers to to sign it as well so in the inside it's got notes by teachers outside I saw my friends and a lot of the messages are just like you know good luck with your DJing good luck with this good luck with that um, and it's nice to kind of go back to look at it sometimes because it was such a long time ago and obviously you used to buy dual copies of a lot of records, one yes. for scratching, which may get damaged through all the fair use yeah. and one for listening as well well not even that actually I used to buy double so I could juggle them because right now, people just want to just, all you do is control and copy and, you know, do it. And you've got two copies, whatever, or you shift and left, shift and right and so right, whatever it is. Um, back then, I had to go and buy two records to actually be able to juggle them. So um, being 16, 17 and with like a very small income was very difficult. It's a very expensive hobby. <laughs> very, very expensive hobby. What we actually used to do was um, at HMV, um, when the records first came out, before they went into the charts, they were one ninety nine. So I'd pick them up for like four pounds for two copies. And then once it got into the charts, it became four pound. So it became eight pounds to buy them. So you had to go in and buy things. The only problem with that way was some songs wouldn't get big. So you'd be sitting on records that you're never going to play again. It's not as easy as to deleting an MP3. I actually sat there with a record. That I'm like, this is never going to work. You know, like no one's going to listen to this. And that's crazy because nowadays vinyls are 20 pounds, 25 pounds some days. Yeah. Like when you buy a full length LP. Yeah, of course. And no, that's yeah. crazy money. Well, no, I used to do the same thing. Um, one of my prized possessions is I've got an original copy of uh, Jody sees the show, the hotel, the afterpipe, whatever it's called, and Life After Death by Notorious B.I.G. I've actually got four copies: one sealed, one which I listen to, and two for juggling. It's my favorite album of all time, and I love the artwork and everything. So it was a very expensive hobby. So what I tended to do was, I uh, tended, sorry, was I would go to areas out of London, which were very country, and find like record shops, and then they'd get promos sent in or someone had given in stuff and buy these records for very cheap. I remember I actually picked up. Um, Capone Noriega's The Wall Report, which is an amazing album, hip-hop album, for like £2. And everyone in London was selling it for £12, £13, £14. So I'd go there, do my research, or just dig. Literally, actually, because people now, they go, I'm digging for music. I'm like, what are you doing? They go, we're searching on SoundCloud. 
I'm like, that's not digging for music that's searching you know it's very easy to search i had to, and other djs can vouch for this they did the same thing where you go to a shop and you'd go through records you know i see barbara streisand or i see michael jackson or seal and then i'd find like one gem like a mob deep record like i need to have that you know that's what digging is you know it's not it's going through digging that's yeah, originally where that's it's exactly, yeah it's from. not going through soundcloud it's digging
So you mentioned a second ago having a sealed copy. So yes, music is somewhat of a collection to you as well as having records to play. It's also having mint condition records in their original packaging. Yeah, to a degree. I think what it is for me as well is that I look at records and I can look at every one of my records and tell you a story or I know where I was when I bought it or when I played it. Amazing. I think that's what it is for me is that you can't do that at MP3s. Like you can say... I remember hearing this record when I was at party, I was with this girl or I was with my boys or whatever. But with records, I remember, you know, getting it at the record store and playing it for the first time in a club and then getting the reaction. I can I can recall almost every kind of, you know, each record has a story, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. I mean, the Detroit SBIG one, the sealed one, I came across that. Again, it was a H&V. I can't remember when I say this. I might even get in trouble for this. Hopefully I won't. But what we used to do was, when I was younger, I was on a ro- lot of... Um, record mailing lists from uh, record labels so Def Jam and Sony and they send us stuff over and then what happened was sometimes when they send us double copies of things that we don't want to play we would go to HMV and pretend to return them and get vouchers back so when I finally managed to get some vouchers together I went and bought the Notorious B.I.G. copy album see look there's a story there for the sealed copy so hopefully like all the positives that you've done since then I'm hoping made up for it yeah I'm hoping I did pay for my other music and stuff you know so (laughs) yeah hopefully I I think uh, the calm is on my my side now
let's move on slightly and talk about the other thing you collect, which a lot of people may know from your Instagram. <laughs> I'm so worried. I don't know what this is going to go now. Trainers. Oh, okay. Thank and you're, God. You're a massive <laughs> sneakerhead and a kleptomaniac. Um, okay. Now, I wouldn't say I'm a kleptomaniac or a sneakerhead per se. The reason I used to buy so many kicks is because I have size 12 feet, which is size 13 US. Thing is, it's very difficult to find kicks in my size. So whenever I do, I buy them. And I just started liking trainers at one point, you know, to the point when I've got like about a good 90 to 95 pairs now at home. And imagine being size 12 UK, you know, the boxes, I keep them all in boxes. So, you know, it's difficult, but I, I'm not the kind of person anymore to uh, go out to a shop and line up or get things like that. The only ones I really wanted were the Nike Air Lunars, the moon landing editions, which came out recently for obvious reasons. And I couldn't get them. And just knowing that people bought them and straight away put them on eBay for like triple the price reminded me why I hate this whole sneaker scene now. Mm -hmm. You know, I hate resellers and stuff. You know, I wanted them because they look cool and I'm into space, you know, but then someone obviously wants to make a profit. But I understand. So over the years, you kind of changed the genres of music that you've been playing. You started off with a lot of R&B and hip hop. Then you moved on to a really unique genre of Moomba Tunnel. I'll let you talk about that. And then you moved into House and finally Future Beats, where we are today. Yes. What inspired this gradual change? Um, just because I wanted to get paid. That's, I'm not even joking. Like when, I, when I started DJing, um, when I started doing a lot of big clubs and uh, going abroad, it was the early 2000s. I think it was 2001, 2002. Um, so I was in London, then I used to travel up and down the country. Uh, then I started getting booked in places like Paris, uh, Marbella in Spain, uh, Marrakesh, places like that. And it was in Cairo. I've done Nox, sorry, not Cairo, uh, Sham Sheikh, sorry, in Egypt. So I've done all that kind of stuff. And um, back then it was cool because the company I worked for, they were known for a certain style of music. So it was cool to kind of play that stuff. Um, afterwards, when the everyone shifted from R&B over to house and electro at one point, um, I used to get booked to play electro gigs. Uh, they say, right, you've got to play electro today. You've got to play house. I'll turn up and just play R&B. And the promoters would hate it, but the club would be busy because people liked the way I played music. So um, switch over to that. And then after the Electra stuff, um, it kind of went to the whole David Guetta kind of stage. You know, everything was very high BPM and it wasn't really for me. But again, to get paid at these bookings, I had to play that kind of music. Um, so a little part of me died every time I played like David Guetta or something, you know, <laughs> whatever. No disrespect. Yeah, no, no, no disrespect at all, but it wasn't for me. Yeah. That's what it was. It wasn't for me. Um, and then I uh, discovered Mumberton, which I loved because for me it was a, fre a fresh breath of air. It was something different. The BPMs were lower, you know, because all we were playing before was 125 plus. And this was like 108 or 110. And I loved the style that was like tracks that we knew and mixed with like a different kind of beat. And I liked experimenting with it. You could scratch over it. You could juggle it. It was, you know, the whole combination was really cool. So uh, that unfortunately didn't last very long. It lasted about a summer, I think. And it's still around, um, but it didn't really have his moment to do anything big. And then Trap kind of came in um, and it was cool. It was, you know, it's just, it was okay. For you, when you're playing live, the crowd energy feeds you or do you like artistically creating the best set possible in your own eyes? Oh no, 100% for the crowd. Because I'm not someone that's gonna. I'm not anyone that people like. Whatever he does, we're gonna love. Like some DJs, you know, like some no. But some DJs can come along and they can they can play whatever they want. They can clap. They can dance about, and people will love it. They can do their hand hearts and all that kind of stuff. I can't. I'm not someone who can do that. I can't wait till I am. Because I'm just gone. I will purposely take the piss like purposely <laughs> i would just mess things up and see what people react like but no um jokes aside i love getting a crowd reaction i love that uh, for me people smiling and dancing and having fun is the best feeling especially at the end of the night when i hear people or people come up to me and say like you know i haven't heard that song in ages 
it was amazing that you played this or played that. You know, it's nice to kind of have that. So a lot of DJs have this phenomenon where they want to have everybody walking out the club singing their favourite tune. Do you ever have any certain rituals or certain songs you like playing last song of the night so everyone walks away? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, not, not really that everyone walks away. Um, one thing I do is I am R. Kelly Snake. There's a break when he goes, um, you don't have to go home, but you got to get the hell up out of here. I always play that right at the end. So like the bouncers or the manager at the club would be like, right, that's it. Cut it off. Be like, one second, one second. And I'll play that and everyone thinks I'm about to play the song. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I start singing. But that's just my little way of kind of telling people, look, get out man i'm gonna go home that yeah. happened on tuesday just gone at the yes. soundscape live soundscape event. as well people started singing girls were like oh man we thought you we were gonna play the song <laughs> i was thinking you were gonna play the song <laughs> oh yeah everyone does that but it's just that's my little kind of thing that i do all the time you know i have little routines like i've got this routine with the next episode by dr dre where i'll kind of play the end the nate dog part and then bring in the the intro and scratch it and juggle it's this little routine like jazz, basically jazzy jeff does something similar he totally ripped it off of me but oh, really? okay. no, no of course he didn't <laughs> no but um but yeah i do something like that so i have little routines that i do that people who hear me on a regular basis will hear me do but i'd never practice a whole set because i'm always about being spontaneous i think that's what how you do a good set and how the crowd likes it you know no one wants to hear a dj play the same thing every single week because you're not doing anything different and you once said to me that you'll never do the same two scratches in a row. You'll always mix it up. I try not to. I have little small scratch routines that I do, but I always try, again, just try to be on the spot and try to mix things up and stuff, you know, because not many people can't scratch or they, cho they choose not to scratch. I get that. And scratching isn't for everyone, but it's something that I grew up on. It's something really important to me, part of my early years of my DJing. Um, and for me, I came from a, 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 you know, a, a time when if you couldn't scratch, you weren't a great DJ. No, that, that separated you from other DJs. But nowadays, people like to come along. No disrespect to yourself or other controller DJs. I, I, you know, there's so much you can do with controllers, but people come along and just get lazy. That's and, true. And Very they'll just true. press buttons and that's it. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But just you've got this amazing piece of equipment in front of you. Do something with it. No, I completely hear no. that. It's, um, it's that fine balance between how you learn to DJ. Like you said, you learn to scratch. Mm -hmm. I learn to blend. Yeah, of course. And everything I do is seamless. Yeah. Everything you do is completely yeah, it's more it's a show yeah that's what it is yeah exactly yeah um and what about the different genres of music out there today before we get on to how you came across future yeah there are so many other chill genres of music that aren't necessarily right for the clubs yeah but for personal listening what kind of stuff are you into let's see what do i normally play um a lot of it's 90s hip-hop I listen to a lot of early Jay-Z, uh, of course, Biggie, Mob Deep, Tribe Called Quest, one of my favorites. OC is another one of my favorite rappers. Um, I also listen to a lot of video game soundtracks. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, I love love video game soundtracks and just movie soundtracks in general. Um, um, what else do I uh, Some 80s stuff. I do like um, some 80s new wave kind of music. I'm, I'm into some of that kind of stuff. Um, the Romantics, one of my favorites. Um, White Snake are dope as well. Neptunes. Again, I'm a huge Neptunes fan. So early Neptunes... Um, basically any everything they did up until Pharrell went properly solo mm -hmm. yeah I mean, even the stuff he does now is great but I am pre-solo Pharrell Neptune's fan you know yes. yeah that's what I love so that's what I kind of like listening to Um, so all the producers that are out there I don't listen to your music when I'm by myself because I like to sit down when I'm actually in work mode and then listen to the music and appreciate yes. it fully. You know, this is when I'm enjoying things. That's what I listen to. And of course, there's a bunch of future music that I listen to as well, like Sky Chai, Wavy, um, Forward Slash, these kind of guys I'm a big fan of. We're going to get onto the space. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Very, very shortly. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's enough of me talking. Uh, we'll have a quick ad break. We'll be right back with me talking about myself real soon.
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Future Beat Show, and as it is my birthday, um, Yaz wanted to, or Yaz Beat, should I say, wanted to interview me, talk about myself. Hopefully, you guys are getting some kind of knowledge. Hopefully, you're not too bored. Again, if you are finding this boring, just forward this by 30 minutes, and I've done a special one-hour mix specifically for my birthday, playing some of my favorite tracks, which I hope you guys will enjoy. Yo, man, so now we're back. I'd like to talk a little bit about your fascination for space. Okay. And that will definitely lead up to where the sound of Future Beats came from. Yes. So where did your whole cosmic fascination come from? Uh, To be honest, I'm not even lying, man. One day I looked up and I saw the stars. I was like, yo, that's trippy. You know, when you think about how far the stars are and um, just about planets in general, you know, it's just just really silly, but it just came from that, that fact that I can't believe that most people don't look up. They'd rather look down into the phones than look up and just lose themselves. You know, and and that's literally that I did my research. I started getting gassed when you start thinking like Jupiter is so big and Mars is this far away and Mercury is that close to the sun. And then I found this plant, uh, this sun, the distant, distant sun, which dwarfs our sun. Like uh, our sun is tiny compared. To, sorry, I mean our sun is dwarfed by this uh, giant sun to the point when they said if you were in a rocket ship, it would take you five thousand years to go around this sun. Five thousand years of flying. I mean, that's I mean things like that just really fascinate me. You know, I'm really ga- actually now this is really silly. Just going off to- uh, subject for one second. I remember I rang you a few weeks ago and I was really, really annoyed. I was like, yes, man, I'm pissed off. And you were like, why? What's the matter? I'm like, dude, we're about to land a shuttle on a meteorite where people are talking about Kim Kardashian. Yes, I was like, what's yes. the problem with these? What's wrong with people, man? Honestly, that was all I could talk about at work that morning. <laughs> I was glued to the news and everyone was like, yeah, just get to work. Yeah. I'm like, I can't. Yeah, because this is actually... We're about to land on a meteorite. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, you know. So, uh, yeah. So, um yeah, that was, that was literally something that I just found really fascinating. Did my research and started getting more and more fascinated mm-hmm. by it um, to the point when I did start bringing that kind of stuff into the show because it, the original um, Future Beat show at the start, I didn't really have a direction. I had like robots. I had 80s cartoons. Um, and it was just kind of, you know, like the picture of a ghetto blaster. And there was a picture of like a, a pat label from this manga that I like or something else. And it's only afterwards when I think I was driving back from Nottingham one day and the uh, on the freeway or what we call motorway, really nice clear sky stars were out and i was playing um sentinel beach by wavy which is one of my favorites i'm sure we're gonna talk about this later anyway and the track just made me think of space and i thought this is perfect right now and then i started um, implementing some space imagery into the artwork and then you know the future beast astronaut was born and then you know th- that was it it just stuck you know i mean one of the first memories i have of meeting you was wondering why is he looking up every time we leave a building oh yeah yeah that's the yeah yeah because people do that so when we leave somewhere at night i would always stop and look up and so do i know yeah yeah exactly and people would always be like what are you doing i'm like you realize that's mars over there right people like you once tricked me you got out your app and you proved you proved yourself right yeah and i was just laughing no that can't yeah, be mars that, that's that can't be mars yeah that's happened a few times like i've been walking along and um i'm like yeah you guys realize that's mars right and they're like no nah, whatever man that's not mars i'm like you can see there's mars there's a slight red tint to it you know i don't know if that's actually true or not but i think I can see it and I've got this little um, astronomy app and I pulled it out and obviously showed you and you're like oh, okay cool <laughs> you know? you're definitely right but this is something it's things like that which I love about space that people don't actually sit down and think like wow that's actually another planet you know like it's 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 crazy well here's the moment you've all been waiting for so where did the original sound for the future beats show the cosmic dreamy wavy sound that we play each week where did that originally come from okay so what happened was i think on soundcloud i came across a guy called ferris Mueller, and i say i think because um it might have been another person as well who has name i mentioned in a second and ferris Mueller, um really awesome guy i think he's from australia he now lives in japan 
um, he had done a remix of a Donnell Jones track and I played it at the end of my radio show which then was called The Midweek Meltdown and it was all R&B and hip hop so I was coming on scratching doing stuff um, and I played it right at the end I remember saying there's something a bit different I hope you guys enjoy it I played it and a few people said to me like yo what is this like who what, I've never heard something like this before like this is really different and I said oh it's some guy I found on SoundCloud called Ferris Mudo does some remixes and then from Ferris I think on SoundCloud recommended or something on the side it said Lindsay Lowend um, who's also very amazing and he had a few remixes um, like Alexander O'Neill remix and a few other things that were very R&B I thought this is amazing so I started playing them on the show and I started like going more and more into the sound and I, I think I saw somewhere someone had tagged it on SoundCloud as Future I thought okay that makes sense you know it works um, and then after Lindsay Lowend I heard of uh, Esther obviously um, Sango and then from those two guys I went to a band camp I was like this is amazing where else can I get more of the stuff and on the corner I saw Selection clicked on selection i thought oh my god there's a whole label that does this stuff discovered Larkim, taku all these people and that kind of opened up more doors and then i discovered uh, a label called darker than wax i reached out to those guys they sent me a bunch of music and then i discovered wavy samuel truth and then through trapdoor uk i discovered the 90s um hoochie and then some of it kind of mixed in with the trap side but there was this whole other side that people weren't exactly pushing like if you listen to selection their stuff is amazing but it can go from neo soul to slightly housey to trappy stuff it can be a combination of everything but no one was really just doing the really spacey kind of stuff that i liked you know even darker than wax they're amazing and some of the stuff's like again housey hip-hop neo soul but no one was pushing that like what i call future stuff which to me is a really spacey wavy kind of stuff i then started collecting those guys together and started playing them on the show and obviously it's amazing that you've made friends with these artists through yeah. SoundCloud and we'll go on in a minute to talk about how important SoundCloud as a platform has been. Yes. But you've made actual friendships with these guys and when you've eventually met up with them, yeah. it's been like turning online friendship into a physical friendship. What kind of artists have been involved in this? Oh, well, there's a bunch of people out there, man. Like One of my very good friends um, is definitely Josh uh, J. Reekin. Uh, we speak a hell of a lot um, on iMessage. That's the thing with iMessage as well. You know, it's makes it's so easy to talk to people. Um, so we're uh, chatting away. Um, Yannicka, who I big up like every week. She's like, I haven't told her this. It's going to be the first time I'm saying this, but she's like my good luck charm that I know I'm going to have a good show if she's listening. And I'd say the immortal words I've always said, which is shout out to the wonderful Yannicka listening in. And I think out of the 57 shows, I mean, there is, I think, 56 or 55 of them i say that so she's become a good luck charm and again she just i think she randomly came across the show somewhere started listening in and there's a bunch of other people as well the 90s um you know a good friend of mine troy boy so there's a there's a bunch of people out there who are, who are classed as actual good friends you know um that isn't just music related and how do you manage with the time zones with australia being and america being so far apart you don't sleep very much, do you? Well, no, well, A, I don't sleep very much. But um, as I mentioned before, when I'm on my way to Nottingham on, on the motorway, I have time to myself. So it, when I normally leave, it's actually a pretty good time for people mm -hmm. around the world. So especially because on a Saturday, people are off. So I use that time to Skype and message people. But a lot of the time, it is kind of I'll message someone, fall asleep, and they'll reply when I wake up I and they're falling asleep. So it's kind of like a, a snail mail kind of conversation, you know, <laughs> unless we specifically make time to talk.
So what were the original artists that you started working with and playing on the Future Beats show that reminded you of that genre? Okay, so initially um, there was Stu, um, Forward Slash, uh, Tarjan, Chloe Martini and Faz. These are the five guys that I kind of say at the start, they showed me a bunch of support and I was always playing their music because I think their sound really fit in what I was trying to do. And then after it's so many more people after that, you know, after those five, you've got people, like I said before, Samuel Truth, Wavy, um, Sky Chai. Oh man, there's so, there's so many to mention. So if I haven't mentioned you, please don't be upset, but there's a bunch of people out there, you know, there's loads. And over the months that we were working together and chatting amongst mm -hmm. about different projects we could do, we came up with the idea of Future Beats Records. Yes. I think you originally suggested it, yeah. and then we put it into motion together. Yep. First artist we picked up was the amazing Singularis. Yeah. His In The Night EP is fantastic. Of course. Where did it kind of go from there? As in where the labels got, went yeah, from there? Yeah, where, where, well, where did it all kick off? The thing was with the label, I mean, I always find I find it really funny calling it a label because for me, I don't think I it's a label just yet. I, I find it as a platform because... What I can do is I can repost someone's music and however many followers I get, they all listen to the music. But then that's it. I don't see the point in me just reposting someone's music, then getting some hits and that's it. With the label or the platform, should I say, um, for me, it's about getting someone, helping develop them as an artist, you know, telling them or teaching them how to be themselves uh, online. You know, maybe because you can't just go on online if you're someone who, who's you know, people are listening to you. You don't want to go there and just moan about things. You, you've got to have some kind of professionalism. Things like with artwork, a bunch of these guys struggle with artwork and they don't know, they're sending me tracks that aren't mastered or they don't know how to promote themselves. And I find with Future Beats Records, that's what we're doing with these people. We're helping, not saying the people we've worked with um, are, are need help, but I'm just saying we help kind of develop them, so to speak. That That's what, what it is, you know. And then eventually, I would love it for to go into like a full-on label where we can actually do tours with our artists. And uh, yeah, we can just start selling our music officially, you know. And it's not just remixes, actual original music. That's the long-term kind of goal. And in the meantime, we've obviously had a range of artists from Seventh Wonder to um, El Blanco Nino. Yes. And we've got so many exciting new things coming up. Yes. So what, what are your ambitions to take the platform to, to the next level? Yeah, as I just mentioned, what I'd like to do is definitely go on an artist tour, like have a showcase where I can call over people that we're working with. Um, because there's a few people that we haven't told anyone that we're working with. We've got a few, no, I wouldn't say surprise EPs, but we've got a few EPs coming out. People are like, yo, who are they? But when they hear the music, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. So what I'd like to do is be able to showcase these artists and people to take them seriously. Because at the moment, like I've seen people go on Twitter and they just kind of spam me, Selection, Darker Than Wax, Trapped or whoever else is there, listen to my music. Like That's not how you do this, man. It's not. Um, so what, again, we're hoping to do showcases. I think that, that will be the main thing from where someone that we've looked after can actually go and get paid work and maybe work with a big artist or get their music sold. That's the goal for me. You know, I, 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 I just want to help people achieve their dreams. Their dreams. Their dreams. Their dreams. Their dreams. Their dreams.
So how would you like to take your performance to the next level and implement new new ways of taking DJing further than just button mashing and scratching? Okay, so I mean, like I said before, people have controllers and it's it's cool what you can do with it. You can just take around, it's compact and da-da-da-da-da. But people aren't doing more than what they've got. I mean, the way I can, the example that I can use is imagine if you had like a Ferrari. And it can do all kinds of crazy top speeds, but you're only driving it in first gear. So why would you not want to break out and do more stuff? But unfortunately, people just want to sit there and press sync, press play and do whatever. So for me, I think, especially with my, my, life, my, my life sets, the more I get to play future stuff, I want to do things like I want to jump on an NPC with someone. I want to use Serato, record some kind of live vocals and mash them up and do something live on the stage, which is only unique to that night. You know, I don't want to give away too many of my secrets um, because I know some guys are listening, but I want it to be more than basically turning up with turntables, not knowing how to scratch and just sitting there and doing your little trap dance thing. You know, like <laughs> it's more. To, I think there's more to it than just that. That's what I think anyway, you know. Um, and maybe that's because I come from a battle background where, you know, when you like even even with records, um, I remember when he stabbed my records at a club, I used to put them in the bath beforehand and take the sticker off so no one could see what the song is because we never had Serato thing. You never had Shazam. So if you played something that was brand new, no one know what it is, you know, and, and that's where I come from. That's where, for me, it was very much like, this is my, my music, my thing, you know. For 13 years, my attitude was, I'm better than you. I don't want to work with you. I don't want to do anything. But then I thought to myself, it's not the attitude to have, man. You can do so much more when you work and collaborate with people. You know, so much more you can do. Um, and so much more has happened since I've opened up to things like that. But again, I blame that to my battle background, my DJing thing, you know. Well, it is a very competitive industry. Oh, yeah, of course. And it's one of those things where track selection is as important as how you mix it sometimes. So what do you think has been the impact of social media platforms and SoundCloud in general as a way of sharing music as opposed to just putting a music in clubs but only you can hear it physically? Uh, well, SoundCloud's amazing. Um, if it wasn't for SoundCloud, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be where I am. Um, I love the fact that uh, people might not be able to listen to the show live. So what they can do is go into SoundCloud and they uh, upload it and listen back to it, you know, and I think that's amazing. Um, and with social media in general, I just think it's about what you want to do yourself, the kind of image you want to portray. I mean, like me, I don't put selfies up because that's not me. You know, I just, I like stars. I like uh, skylines. I love sunsets. Um, I like trainers. I like my cats. I like video games. That's me. That's what I thought of, you know, that's what I try to use it as. But for me, um, yeah, things like SoundCloud are definitely very important in taking it from what it used to be like to what it, the music industry is now. The fact that you can put something on there and within 10 minutes, a rapper would want to buy you beat off you, you know, around somewhere across the world. And that you can collaborate and do some amazing things that way. You know, like case in point, someone like Goldlink, if I'm not mistaken, when he first came out, he's rapping over Keichinada beats. And Kate and I was like, who's this guy rapping over my beats? You know, I remember I remember all that. And then now look how incre incredible Goldlink is doing. I think they were in the studio last week at the Red Bull Music There Studios. you go. There you go, man. And also, a little segue, we've got a Goldlink interview coming up soon, haven't we? Very, very soon. There we'll, we go. Uh, okay. We'll announce that in a couple of weeks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, so one of the, the major things I want to talk about is how you perform at, in a live gig with the Future Beats sound. Okay. So... The show is very chill. Yes. We have the Planet X sec section of yep. the show about kind of wanting to get a, an ex-lover or partner back. Well, I, I want to say it's about getting back. them back, but I think it's about just uh, the music. It, the only reason I call it Planet X and the whole thing about call your ex whatever is because that's the only way I can describe the feeling it gives you. It's like that longing. Like sometimes people even message me like, you've got me missing exes I don't even have. <laughs> and, and 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 I get that. I think for me, that's what it is. That's why I gave it that because 
you know, if you've had an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend and you sometimes miss that maybe didn't end up how you wanted it to end up the relationship, it tugs a certain kind of heartstring or it gives you a certain kind of feeling. And I believe this music can give you that kind of feeling. And that's why I, I liken it to that, you know, that's that's the whole story behind Planet X anyway. Right, so going back to the Future Beats kind of Yes. So we've got so many sounds out there um, in the spacey, cosmic kind of vibe. Yes. What do you think is the evolution of the sound that we love so much? Oh man, I don't even know. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens because um, I've seen a few people go back to the kind of soulful kind of vibe, the renew soul thing. I've seen some people take it to house. And some people are going to the trap stuff, you know. Um, it's this really weird amalgamation right now of the music. You know, it's all kind of mixing up. It's just like, what's going to happen? So um, I remember thinking a while back, like, I wonder what music's going to be like in a few years. You know, what's, what are people going to be listening to? And it's strange that we listen to, like, kind of chopped and screwed versions of R&B songs with, like, heavy simps and stuff. And people love it, you know. I think um, the last big game changer, I think, that I really saw or witnessed was uh, The Weeknd. Like you could potentially, I guess you could say that when he came out, that inspired this whole sound, you know, that we're in now. It's kind of sad boys, R&B kind of music, you know, but it was very sparse, the production. And for me, what I, I think anyone who's a Weekend fan can agree with me is when you listen to his music, especially his first EP, The House of Balloons, yep. is that it takes you somewhere. Mm -hmm. When you listen to it, you know, you can imagine like, for me, it was very black and white kind of cliffs and like mountains and stuff i don't know why and like thunderstorms for some reason but okay. that's the image i got from it from listening to his music or like being inside like a cottage again black and white but raining outside like mm -hmm. that's i'm that's the kind of images i got from it and that's what i love about music that people can take away things and i like discussing with people like what did that make you think of and again with the music that i play now the future stuff it just reminds me of space and planets and mm -hmm. cruising through the outer atmosphere and stuff you know well for those of you who, who know me i'm a massive fan of course of, weekend, of course yeah, yeah he his his first album, his first EP, I guess, was fantastic. Yeah. But when he attempted and did successfully cover Dirty Diana by Michael yeah, Jackson, you know what? One of the best bold move. One of the best Michael bold. Jackson covers that I've seen. Yeah. I heard, sorry. Definitely up there. Yeah. I think it's risky to even attempt it, but when you execute it that well with such a dark vibe. Yeah, of course. You, you put it off. See, you got it right there. It's the vibe. And this is the problem I find right now. Like DJ Mustard at the moment, he's absolutely killing it. It's great, but it's just the same thing. You know, this music isn't giving you a vibe where you want to listen to people like Forward Slash or especially someone like Sky Chai. Um, or Wavy, or Samuel Truth, you know, these guys, I know I keep saying the names, but these guys are incredible. These are the people that really make me kind of transport me, you know, and I think The Weeknd was the last person before these guys who actually did that for me, and that, for me, was a game changer. Because when I first said The Weeknd, I was like, yo, oh, yeah, of course, of course, I'm sorry, I can't believe I mentioned this already. Our, our boy Drake, um, you know, the first EP he had out, same thing with that, you know, I remember listening to the beats and thinking, wow, these beats are crazy. They're are you so talking comeback season or so far gone? So far gone, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, like, it, it was so sparse and empty, the beats, you know, like, it, and it was just like, what is this? And the fact that, okay, we joke about it now, but the fact that he was actually brave enough to talk about his emotions and things about him missing someone or whatever, you know, people don't do that. You know, only R&B singers do, you know, um, and for him to do that and then switch it up with like that, five minute freestyle he had over the Kanye beat mm -hmm. things like that you know th that was awesome and I, again uh, also something like 808s and Heartbreaks you know um, I don't think it's a great album by any means but I think the feel of the whole album you can feel like what he's going through and the fact that he's not 100% you know um, like Streetlights is actually one of my favourite songs on the album so getting off this ton of topic right now which artists are you feeling uh, the hottest in the scene right now because I'm a massive Nezawal fan. Oh, man, I, I can't answer that question, man. I can't because there's so many people mm -hmm. and I know I'll offend someone. But I'll tell, tell you how I'll do it. Anyone over the last 
15 shows or 12 shows, I think those guys are hot. Okay. Yeah, because I I can't say someone because someone will catch feelings. Someone get up to me. Oh, you didn't big me up. And the fact is, I like all of them. There's always someone, someone who, like, there's people I've discovered that I think the music sucks, but they've got one amazing song. I'm like, dude, you make ten of these, you're yeah. gonna be amazing. <laughs> you know. So there's always someone. That, you know, I I don't like to um, say these are my favorites or anything, but um, or, or who I think's hot. You know, there's. Any, anyone I'll play in the last couple of shows, those are the guys I think that are going to be hot and going to be big. What advice would you give to anyone out there who wants to send you music but wants you to actually listen and appreciate it, not just get something in return? If you send the music to me, I will listen to it. That's what I'm saying. I, I listen to everything. It's a, it's a deal that I made with myself that I'm always going to listen to anything that gets sent to me. Anything. Just wait. If you send me something, I will get back to you eventually. I will. But look, I'm not even anyone too, too big and I get at least 30, 40 emails a day. That's a lot of music to go through, especially when I get a lot of things like some people like, hey, Complexion, I'm a fan of the show. Can I send you some music? Send me the link. <laughs> Have it in there. You know, that's what I say. And the thing is, is don't catch feelings if, if people don't go back to you immediately. Because there's so many people that have been like, oh man, I'm messing with the guy, can you listen to my music? People are busy, people have lives. I have a life outside of the radio show. Some people might just think of me as me to Future Beats guy. You know, I have my friends, I play my video games, have my family, got my cats. You know, I've got things to do, man. I will listen to your music. So just just be chill. And not just with me, with anyone. If you want to send your music to anyone, just relax. I'm sure they'll listen to it. And also, if they're good enough, people will come. So that's about a wrap for today, bro. But thank you so much for your time. And my happy, pleasure. Happy birthday, obviously. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so the 15th of September is my birthday. So if anyone wants to send me gifts, please do so. <laughs> please do. Hopefully you guys will like what um, we've spoken about. And if you haven't, um, I've actually got a mix coming up right now, which is an hour mix of some of my favorite future music, which I hope you guys will really enjoy. And also from the interview, I hope I said something which will inspire you, motivate you, or if anything, give us a personality to the voice because no one really knows too much about me. So hopefully I wasn't boring. I wasn't really self-indulgent. Um, and also, yes, our t-shirts are out now. You can buy them from IamComplexion.com. Um, hope you guys like. Remember, if you do buy one, um, you have my eternal love. And please take a picture of yourself rocking it. Uh, it'd be super, super dope. Well, thank you, bro. I'm Yaz Beats. Yeah, you're Yaz Beats. <laughs> I am away. Complexion. Um, and this is now my special one-hour birthday mix. You can tweet me at Complexion. You can find me on Facebook under DJ Complexion. Um, thank you so much for listening over the last, over just over a year. I hope you guys stick around for uh, the future. Beats. <laughs> cool. I think that's good.
Tell me what would you do If things had got so complicated That the lies become true And the things that made us now just tear us apart The feeling you once loved now rips out your heart Can we back it up? Back to when we were alive
candles, let me make a couple wishes
Without even falling low 